0: Well, praise the Lord and welcome to Cross Time with Pastor Curtis this morning here in the studio behind Crossway Church. Uh, we're excited to be with you today, got some folks in the studio and I uh, pray that God will open our eyes a little bit more today and enlighten our understanding to some things uh, that are written uh, here for us, uh, that we might learn his word and be more aware of uh what's going on in our time and what we need to be aware of and so our eyes can be open. And uh, so we're in the book of Jude. You can go ahead and turn there. We'll start in verse 11 today. I'm trying to get this microphone set so it doesn't blow everybody out of the water. looks like it's uh, really charging pretty high, so I'm going to turn it down a little bit and then we'll just uh, take right off. Uh, First, before we dig into the Word, let me just say uh, how much... Uh, of a a wonderful time I had with Pastors Colton and Casey Hill last weekend preaching the word and and with Pastor Colton doing a couple of uh, sit-down broadcasts we were really encouraged and blessed uh, to be there doing that and especially with them seeing how that's the end they're closing down that ministry and they're about to move to Wichita Falls Texas and uh, where they'll begin pastoring Crossway Church there and uh, we're really excited about that what god's doing there. already have a handful of people gathering there uh to hear the message of the cross and and brother colton is is doing a great job ministering this message and we're just excited about all that and uh, you can find everything we do here at crossway church on our youtube channel which is curtis hutchinson 316 and sermon.net Uh, which is a a channel you can watch on Roku. You can find us there and our website, thecrosswaychurch.com. And so I encourage you to to go and avail yourself to all that we do here, all that God has given us to share with you, and I promise you, you'll be blessed. Uh, Today is Session 10 on the 27th of September here in 2019, and we are in the book of Jude. uh, And we're going to start in verse 11 today. Today. Uh, where the woes begin uh, from the from the uh, the writer of this book Jude in verse eleven he says woe unto them for they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily after the heir of Balaam for reward and perished in the gainsaying of Korah. Now we're going to be talking specifically in how they also relate to the examples that he just got through giving us uh, about the 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 angels that that removed themselves from their first estate and and uh, the, those who speak evil against dignities and those things we just read about. But before we dig in and get the meat of this today, why don't we just ask the Lord to help us and to give us what we need today. Father- to be here today, for the opportunity to have your word before us, the words that bring life to us when we believe them, and today I pray, God, that you would enlighten our understanding, you would reveal to us that which we need to see, know, and understand, that you would impart the truth to our hearts today, that we would uh, be more awakened and more alive and more aware today of the we're surrounded by and the opportunity. Just thank you for what you're going to say and do today. We ask you to, just to give us this daily bread that we need today in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> so he lists the way of Cain. Uh, and he says, they've gone the way of Cain and ran greedily after the heir of Balaam for reward and perished in the gainsaying of Korah. And let me just read a little more before we back up and start breaking these down because we're, we want to see some, some interesting things today. These are spots in your feast of charity when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear, clouds they are without water, carried about of winds, trees, whose fruit withers without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. These two verses are what we will be discussing today because... These are spots in our feast. These are, these are what he's talking about here in the book of Jude is men who creep in among us. And as we've learned already in this, this book of Jude, the way men creep in among us is they come in saying what we say, but they don't mean what we mean. It's kind of like the grace revolution. They're saying what we say. That's why it's so easily uh, deceptive and deceitful because it sounds right. And what they're saying, uh, they're not meaning what we mean when we say it. And that's, that's an important thing because that's... They sound like us. They say what we say. We give them the pulpit, and then they get the people's affection. They win the people over, and that's when they begin to, because that's how the devil operates. Once he's able to trust this person, whoever, then he can start changing things around and I fear that that happens a lot and and that's why I tell our people all the time. Listen, we've been preaching the message of the cross for 14 years. If I stop then you need to, as much as you love me, you've loved me, we've worked together you need to go find somebody else preaching this message if I stop because this message is really uh, what holds all the word together for the word of God is nothing without faith in the blood. It can't do anything for you. And people that think it can have already been creeped in on. They've already been crept in on. They're being lied to. And men who have shared this gospel, women who have shared this gospel believed it 100%. Can now be led astray, but never forget it's always through the lust of our own flesh that we're led astray. You've heard me say it that uh, they're false prophets and they'll be judged by all that they that all they teach wrong. They'll be judged for that. Uh, but one thing you've got to remember we'll never be able to blame them because we were carried away by the lust of our own flesh, James writes. So we, we can't blame those people, even though they help with the things our flesh are lust away, we gave ourselves over to certain things and that's what he talked about earlier in this book of Jude here. But uh, this is a very important letter to the church because he says these are spots in your feasts of charity of love and that means our gatherings our when we get to our meetings really are feasts of love I mean because we gather in the name of Jesus who loved us and gave himself for us that's what our faith is in therefore we're able to love each other and really having church meetings should be like a feast a feast of love we nothing will ever be perfect but the love out of all fear, the fear that would keep us from loving each other and, and keep continuing to move forward. Uh, I, I just recently, I've shared this scripture for many years, Psalms 92, about, uh, let me turn over, let's turn over there and, and read that. Psalms 92 this morning, this is a Bible study, amen. Uh, we've read this for years. Uh, we, we used to read it Uh, when uh, new members were inducted into the church but I want to read it this morning I want to show you something we'll start in uh, verse 12 Psalm 92 12 and just a few scriptures because I want to show you what the Lord showed me Uh, and what we're talking about here is how this God in the Lord intends on keeping you in and you enduring to the end You, you understand that you know, it's what he did at Calvary, and your faith in that that got you in. It's your faith in that that'll keep you in, and calls you to allow you to endure to the end. And 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 most Christians, I'm, you know it to be true. Most Christians have a testimony of I used to go to church. I used to. I used to. We says in Hebrews six that God is not unrighteous to forget our labor of love in that we have ministered to the saints and that we do minister. We continue. We endure. So the the letter of Jude is written so that we'll say, hold around us, and we can't let affections and emotions and and things like that hold us. We've got to let the truth hold us. We've got to contend for the faith. That's what we've got to be contending. We need relationships, but we need the truth more than we need a relationship. So we gotta be aware of what's going on around us. Psalm ninety two twelve 12 says, the righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing. Now this is the part that really dri- here recently, and verse fifteen says to show. See the purpose we're in this is to show the uprightness of the Lord, not so we can make it to the end and say, and and a boo boo." That ain't what this says. This says that we're flourishing in His courts, still, age, still fat and flourishing. Why to show that the Lord. That means now he's about to intensify something because he's my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. See, righteousness is very important because that's what we became. We began to be servants of righteousness. It's what we were made and now the Lord demands that we bear forth the fruits of his righteousness through faith. And remember the scripture I just quoted to you that in Hebrews 6 maybe verse 13 that the Lord is not unrighteous to forget our labor of love in that we have ministered and that we do minister and he's in the Bible there says he's not unrighteous to forget our labor of love. you got that? And, and Psalm ninety-two fourteen a scripture I've used over the last couple of years talks about, explains who the upright in heart are. It's those who bring, who return judgment to righteousness. That means they begin to see the righteousness of God in the word of God. And let me tell you something, in these last days the Lord is pouring out of his spirit and illuminating the word of God greater than ever before to those who have ears to hear. That means those who have faith in Christ and his sacrificial work at Calvary. And so I wanted to show you that because really this Jude's letter is to keep us from falling away, us from being carried off, us from having a testimony of what... Well, no, Jude's letter is for us to wake up, guard our hearts, clean. And keep trusting in that work of Christ at Calvary. Don't let anybody, any situation, no matter how bad it is, pull you away. You might as well get ready. Bad things are going to happen. They're going to happen to me. They're going to happen to you. It's a part of this miserable, fallen world we live in. Sometimes I'm going to do the big dumb, and other- it's going to be people very close to me that do the big dumb. That affects me. Because when we do dumb, He's tied to people. Amen. Yeah. We're tied to everybody. We're t- and the closer they are to you when we mess up, the worse it has an effect. But this letter helps us to understand we can contend for the faith and not just for the sake of everybody else, but for our own sake. Our own self. I mean, because if I fall, somebody else is going to hurt from my fall. If I sin, somebody else is going to hurt from my sin. If the devil is able to come into Crossway Church and 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 lead me away through something, and my lusting flesh goes after it, and I fall I, uh, greatly by that negatively. You know, the husband, the wife, the kids, all that. Uh, you know, works just like that. That's why we have to guard our heart diligently because God says out of it come the issues of our life. Not because what they said and they did. That has an effect on us but the issues of my life come out of my heart, God says. So uh, the, this letter is of utmost importance for us and all Christians throughout all time. He wrote this some, what, 1900, 1800 years ago maybe? Close to 2000 years ago and it's only gotten worse and if you'll notice, he writes this and there are, at least it's placed in the word of God right before the book of Revelation and he's writing a woe here and you know all the woes in the book of Revelation and I'm telling you in the woes of the book of Revelation I want to wake, I want to uh, wake and uh, so anyway, let's go back to where we were, Jude and it's them. For they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily after the heir of Balaam for reward and perished in the gainsaying of Korah. Now everybody knows the story about Cain and what Cain did and ultimately the, 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 the overall statement we can make about Cain is that he defied God and in defying God and this is anybody if we defy God we destroy men. Even if we don't know we are, just like the example I just gave, if I get let off through the lust of my flesh, you know, I, I'm actually... Even if I don't know what I'm doing, I'm denying God. And in denying God, I'm bringing destruction not only on myself, but to my kids, my wife, my whoever, people in my life, my church. You understand? You, you have an effect on people. And Cain, in his defiance against God, he would even turn and destroy his own brother. Now, you think about that. I won't have anything to do with a bloody lamb, but I'll shed the blood of my own brother. And we've heard it many times. But that's what happens, and that's, that's the way we go if we reject God's plan. You have no choice. This is one thing about God. He lets you choose which way you go, but you don't get to choose the consequences of that which you'll reap. You're out of the picture when it comes to choosing the consequences. You get to choose which way you go. Will you place faith in a Redeemer God promised and experience the being led and strengthened and comforted by the Holy Spirit? Or will you reject that and be led by the world, the devil, and your flesh? You get to choose that. But the consequences of those things, you don't get to choose. God has them already laid before us. That, that those things are laid out before us. People think that God comes along and strikes them down when they mess up. No, it's called the law of sowing and reaping. It's it, it's just that way. God's not showing up and hammering folks. If you do dumb, you reap dumb. If you, the Bible says in Romans 8, if you sow to the Spirit, you reap Life and peace, or you experience life and peace. And on the way home from church Wednesday night, going around that last curve right before I got home, uh, there on our road, the Lord was speaking to my heart and tell me that everything he has set in motion has an increase to it, everything. You think about the saints who in the Old Testament who they couldn't go to heaven uh, and they weren't in Christ. They were in Abraham's bosom in paradise because the blood of animals couldn't get them to heaven and it couldn't put them in Christ. It put them in Abraham's bosom in a place called paradise. But when Christ died, here comes the increase. Christ went and delivered to heaven. That's increase. And one day there will be even a more increase for them for they will have new bodies like we all will. But think about this. On the other side of the abyss was the torment. And back in that day in Luke 16 you read about the rich man and Lazarus and Abraham and and the rich man's talking to Abraham. Well once Christ went and got his people out of paradise guess what? There's an increase of their torment now because they can't even talk to Abraham. He's got an increase to everything. An inc- and one day, though, they even be thrown into a lake of fire. There's increase. Whatever God has put in motion, whichever way we choose to go, whether it's the blessing or the cursing, whether he lead me or I lead me, uh, the result Greater and greater, whether it's a greater light or a greater darkness. The world's getting darker, but the light of God is getting brighter. It's what the promise is. Proverbs 4.18, the path of the just shall shine more as the perfect day approaches. So Cain, uh, the apostasy of Cain shows how, apost- how apostasy att- and That's what he was doing. I'll have no part of that. that. And Cain had to do that. But to bring that which God did not command him to bring was in defiance to God. And see, I've, all, I've I've thought of this since we began preaching and teaching this message of the cross that God really only looks to see if you will offer to Him what He offered to you. That's really what He's looking Will you offer all... Because the sacrifice was something God offered to man as a way back into communion with Him, relationship with Him. He, and it was a type of His Son that all could be saved and in fellowship and relationship with God. And, and, and that was really not only God's offer, it was a command. Because the Bible, in more than one place, says that God has commanded His covenant to a thousand generations. The covenant is a command. And like Cain, he chose not to go that way. He defied the salvation plan of God. He went out and you've heard it taught that it was his grandkids, great grandkids that came up with the music and the weapons of war and the the instruments and the cattle ranching and all the things that the world looks at and, and says, wow, while they look over on us, look little nomad looking people who are just all about a sacrifice and, and living in tents and we're not escalating and becoming more in the things of the world and they made fun of them, but they got washed away and the same thing's coming again because it's an ultimate consequence for rejecting salvation. That's what Cain did. He said, I don't want any part of the bloody sacrifice. And there's been people all through history like that. The but you remember Moses and his wife uh, going along on their journey and the Lord approaches Moses and said circumcise the boy and I don't remember if it was the boy, the kid that God said he'd kill or if it was Moses. Y'all remember which one it was? One of them. I, I, sometimes I get that mixed up. But anyway, Moses was respecting his wife's uh, resenting the bloody sacrificial stuff. She didn't, she didn't, she was against it. Not going, so yeah, you're going to circumcise him or something? going to die. Because God's serious about this. He's very serious about this. It's not an option. It's a command. And, and, and Cain, uh, there's just a... The way of Cain is that which really just rejects salvation the way God offers it, which is in a redeemer that would give his life at Calvary. Anybody that's rejecting that... Whether they listen, whether they even started right, they crept in among us and they start started right because you you will see we won't ever make it today, but you'll see on down that some of them had fruit that withered and some of them were just without fruit. Some of them had been saved and some of them did have fruit, but the fruit withered. So and I know our once saved always saved and all that stuff that they, they get confused uh, in that. You can't you can't have withering fruit if you don't have fruit. I mean, it's pretty simple. But Cain uh, is just one of those that said, "There's no way." But see, they creep in because Cain came to the place of worship. He came and brought a sacrifice. He came feeling of that. I need to serve God. I but I'm going to do it in my own way. And that, that's, that's what we're being warned of here, uh, by Jude, that woe unto them for they, these ones who've crept in among us, they creep, they've crept into the church. Let me say this today. They've crept into the church so bad. So many pulpits are filled with those who've crept in among us. And the seminaries are full of those that have crept in among us. To the point, now it is this bad, to the point that when a true preacher of truth comes along like the Apostle Paul, man, he's made look like he's, he's the bad guy. You got to think about this. Just like in the days of Israel, they're pretty much just about gods, to... and here comes Elijah out of nowhere. God brings this prophet up on Mount Carmel and I'm talking about he's made look like the bad guy. It's always that way. What did they think about Moses when God sent Moses to deliver him out of Egypt? Man, you're the making bricks without straw because of you. I mean, when God sends somebody with the truth, things might get tough, but you've got to contend for the faith, no matter what, because God's trying to save and to deliver and to heal and to bring you out. Amen. And you just never know what God's going to do. You just never know. But you have to trust him. you got to keep on trusting him. Even when things look like, I, you know, how you get in that place where you think, I, I just, I just, God, I can't believe this is happening. Mm-hmm. How does this happen? Mm-hmm. Anybody ever know what I'm talking about? Yeah. <laughs> and it hurts you. <laughs> it pierces and, and you know those people, man, it, it looked like we're about to get out of Egypt. Mm-hmm. Here comes this leader God sent, and all of a sudden, so things going the other way. Yes. You, ever, you ever had that happen to you? Man, we're walking along. Man, we're serving God. Uh-oh. Right. Boy, something done come along, slap me upside the head, turn me around. <laughs> yes. Amen. And now I'm like, well, I don't know if all this stuff works or not. Yeah. They said, I don't know, Moses, you're a troublemaker. They told Elijah, you're a troublemaker. Paul said, am I your enemy now because I'm telling you the truth? I'm, what I'm trying to say is I'm for the church because God's pouring out of his spirit as he promised in the last days on all flesh. But most of the church is deceived and and really you know it's true because you try to talk to people, you do all the time, and they really don't want to hear anything about the Lord or the Word. They don't mind talking about their preacher or their church or their activities, but man, don't start talking about the Lord. This just ain't the place for it, is it? And uh, you know, Cain, he was just a rejecter of the salvation plan of God. But then the Bible goes on to say uh, that woe well unto them for they have ran greedily after the heir of Balaam. Mm-hmm. And, and Balaam, is, it, Balaam is the guy who, who, who knew that God would not curse his people. Balak wanted him. Balak heard, Oh my Lord, here comes those Israelites. I've heard all that their God has done for them. And he went and looked and he found uh, uh, Balaam. And he said, Balaam, curse them. And he said, You can't curse God's people. You know the story. And and, 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 and Balak was trying to and get him to curse God's people. He said, You just can't curse God's people. What, what God's blessed, you can't curse. And then but Balaam he falls for it eventually. He falls for the money, for the he becomes greedy for the money, and he says, I tell you what, though, you, you can you can send your harlots in there with them, and God will punish them for sinning against him. Let me tell you something. The fault listen, here's the the ultimate to me about Balaam. Balaam was a part of what was keeping God's people from inheriting the promised land He promised to give them. He blessed, and even though God shows up to discipline me, I'm still blessed. Even though God shows up to chasten me, it's because He loves me, I'm still blessed. And God showed up, and and, those, and you know, uh, ba- uh, Balak did what he did. Balaam did what he did. He gave him the the, the he gave him correct information, and they begin to mix. And God punished them. But you think about Balaam for money; he was a part of what was keeping God's people from walking in the light and the increase that God has for them. Think about that in our day and time. Whoever's not pointing through and what he did at Calvary as the object of faith is keeping God's people from the increase he wants them to have in their life. That's where we are and it's worse than ever before but thank God the light is here like never before. For many, many years there was no talk about sanctification. There was no talk about the And I know I was away from the Lord for for uh, several years, but in 1994, when I began to dig into the Word, and from that point, almost every day of my life now, I'd never heard that the object of faith, and that even that phrase is making some preachers mad now. Really? Yeah, that's just swiping just accusing and 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 just bitter because you know and I the Lord's showing me and I believe this that we're still coming out of the dark ages we hadn't had Bibles but the last five hundred years think about that and and the and the first five hundred it was just we're five hundred years since we had Bibles the, the truth came out that we're just by faith and not by works. Mm-hmm. Only faith in Christ alone. Yeah. And how many people still don't even believe that? That's right. That is absolutely- and Catholicism still reigns on this earth in a huge billions, mm-hmm. at least a, a few billion, Or yeah. prey to that, which is what held us in the dark ages. Mm-hmm. And they hadn't come out of it yet. So God bought, spirit filled, the out of the dark ages, you got to think about this. Just 22 years ago, the message of the cross began to be preached, and some woman corrected me in Oklahoma and, uh, on, on social media and said, you don't know what you're talking about. Uh, she said, that's just that swagger stuff trying to get everybody out of their own church and into his church and, and all this stuff, and we've been hearing the message of the cross for 2,000 years. That's what she told me. And I just felt sorry for her. I didn't respond to that because I, I, I didn't. I didn't need to, you know. You just got to shake the dust off your feet and go on. But that's that. That's the thought process right there. We've been hearing the message of the cross for two thousand years, have we? Have we really? For salvation, yes. But what about? Are we still hearing that for sanctification? Are we preaching that as the object of faith? Are we? are we just now stepping into the reality of that it's not the message of the cross and the full counsel of God, but it's the message of the cross as the full counsel of God. Yeah. We're just stepping into that. Years ago, and we need to guard our hearts. We need to uh, clean- word. And Balaam, the, the ultimate statement, at least in my notes, what I've got for Balaam is that he was deceiving God's people for gain. And if we, listen, even though it's done in ignorance, there is a difference between ignorance and rebellion, just flat out rebellion. Paul said he'd, he'd I've obtained the mercy of God because what I was doing in unbelief was through ignorance he wasn't just all out rebellious against god he was he was he was coming against what he thought was not a move of god was not god but he wanted to serve god i read the other day about a german professor something that said this to 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 explain to you what rebellion can be like he said i don't care if you bring god and stand him before my face that'll make me uh 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 uh, uh not believe all I don't care what you show me. I'm not believing in you. I'm not, tra- I'm not subjecting myself to you. And that is in the heart of many people. I don't care what I see. I don't care what I hear. I'm not believing in God. And that's just out there. And there's a difference between, between being rebellious and ignorant. Mm-hmm. Amen. Now in your ignorance, you can be rebellious, but you're just it, being rebellious because you're ignorant. Mm-hmm. And some people are just being rebellious because they're just rebellious. And I ain't going to believe. I ain't never going to believe. But And we can say those things and still believe because God only knows the heart. But Balaam, the apostasy of Balaam, we see uh, how apostasy attacks the very sovereignty of God, trying to undermine God, trying to uh, give direction uh, to that which is not God, the world, some worldly heathen king, uh, to to give him the knowledge of how to go and not defeat Israel, although so had to start dealing with his own people to hinder the move of God among the people of God. And that's what preachers can do when I point you to the government of 12 or the purpose driven. That will cause God to back up because grace can't flow into all that. And I've hindered now the people of God by trusting in something that has caused them to play the spiritual harlot. Romans seven teaches that if I'm putting anything on the table other than the Word of God, pointing you to the Living Word of God and what He did at Calvary, then I am. Even though it's in my ignorance, and I am praying all the time for preachers who are just ignorant of it to step into the place where they know it, they they believe it, and but many it, if they subject themselves to this truth, they will lose their church. They may lose their retirement they've worked so hard for for years that they may lose some things, relationships, but Paul woke up and realized what he had to the point. He said, you know what? I'm counting everything in the past done. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm just considering it nothing for the sake of winning Christ, for the sake of the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. And there are preachers waking up and coming out of this stuff that's wrong. And it is costing them. But what they're gaining compared to what they're losing, it doesn't compare. The gain outweighs the loss every time. And I don't want to be on the wrong side. I've already been there for a few years deceiving God's people for gain. And that's what Balaam did. He greedily ran after gain. I just, I, you know, I, I know that God's people can't be cursed, but oh, I, I need that money. I want that money. So what can I do? What can I do? Well, the direction he got wasn't from God because God won't ever tell his people to do that, which is wrong. So the, Balaam was actually wrong. And for money, and that's where a lot of ministers are today, they don't know it. They do, they do not know it. They do not know it. They think it's really all about the ministry, but the ministry's not even right. And they're all about money, and they're hindering God's people. Again, let me say it before we move on to Korah. If, I, if we're not preaching God's word in the light of Christ and what he did at Calvary, we're, we, we are responsible partly for causing the people of God to play the harlot, the spiritual adultery. Because we are married to Jesus, God's people under the old covenant was married to the Lord. But eventually, did He not write them a, a bill of divorce? <laughs> yes, because they just flat out refused to act or to or partake of what it meant to be a bride. They just constantly went off and played the harlot which God sees as placing their faith in anything other than the way he's offered. Now we don't, like, we don't like to think about those things and how that really can't be for us today because I go to church and I read my Bible and I, 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 I. But listen, it's not about I. Remember what we read in Psalms 92. The purpose that we do all that we do is so that we can express the Lord as our rock and our Lord as our upright God who is carrying us to the end It ain't again it ain't so we can get to the end or along the way while everybody else is falling and you, you know down because they can't run this race they don't know this sanctifying message of truth it's not for us to say well at least I'm faithful no that sounds like the, the lawyer the Pharisee well at least I ain't like them no we're bad off but we're thankful that we know the truth. We're not better than any of them people. It's kind of like a soldier out in the battlefield. You know, they've been shot. He's he's surrounded by those who were wounded, and, and he's like, well, I'm glad I didn't get hit. Well, you're back. Because God... Never without a job. He is either exalting those who've humbled themselves or he's humbling those who have exalted themselves. He's always busy in one of those areas. If you'll humble yourself under the mighty hand of God by keeping your faith in Christ and him crucified, he will exalt you in due time. But if we're trying to exalt ourselves like Balaam by getting money, because that's what he thought money would do, make him somebody. Amen. But he got humbled. And eventually slaughtered, if you read on about him. But anyway, you move on and he says uh, that he ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward. Our rewards are being laid up in heaven. That's one thing you can see about a, a, a maturing Christian is that they're not really working for rewards right here. Their rewards are going to be in heaven. Right. You know, and, and, and so give them some money. And it ain't about the money. It ain't about the money. But some people, man, they they won't bend over and pick up a piece of paper unless somebody's going to pay them to do it. Their hearts aren't right. Anyway, he goes on and says, and perished. Woe unto them, for they've gone, not only in the way of Cain, but also they ran greedily after the heir of Balaam for reward and perished in the gainsaying of Korah. And Gain the word means rebellion. And that's what it was. And I mentioned a little bit of this Wednesday night in the message. Uh, if you want to read a really great story, it's scary though because it's still happening in the church today. Uh, Numbers chapter 16 and 17 about Korah Nathan and Abiram or whatever their names were. Those three men that rose up and rebelled against Moses and Aaron thinking you guys take too much on yourselves. We're we'll all that's a factual statement, is it not? Wow, you guys got a load on you. What did they? Yeah. But God gave them the load. Mm-hmm. And what? Happened? Yes, it is, but God saw their heart. God saw there was a there was an attempt to, to take over there, an attempt to uh, usurp God's authority. And he calls it here rebellion, the rebellion of Korah. And I want to read this, what I've got here on my note, a false, really, this statement about Korah, a false and unregulated liberty, and assumed self-invented holiness. See, this, Christianity is not self-invented. Holiness and righteousness is not self-invented. It's provided by God through Christ and his sacrificial work. as appointed of God but without God's leading. Grandmama can call grandson and put him up in the pulpit. I can call myself. There was years ago a movie called The Apostle. Did anybody see that where the guy went out and baptized his own self in the water? (laughs) And uh, It's just because it's true. And, and that's, that's what this is. Korah was, they were appointing themselves. We, it's not enough that you guys are leading. And the apostasy of Korah attacks the service of God because that was what was attack, on, under attack. Moses and Aaron, surely you're not the only ones God has chosen. Well, they were at that point. They were at that point. They were only the only ones called by God and sent by God to lead the people, not only out of Egypt, but through the wilderness into a greater knowledge. You can't say the promised land because Moses didn't go. But a greater and greater and greater knowledge of God as he through the ages painted a picture of his son and what his son would do for us at Calvary. But we're being reminded of these very things that have plagued God's people from the beginning and will only be worse in the end times. They're only worse. For us to read the book of Jude and say, Well, I'm glad I didn't live back then. You because it is bad today. People that come in, they creep in among us, they're sweet, they're they're loving, they're hospitable, but man, it only takes, some it only takes three weeks, some it might take three months, some three years, some six, seven years, but it will ultimately come out. The real, the real what we mean. And let me tell you this morning what we mean. We mean that which Jesus did at Calvary and the benefits He provided through His death are for us today. And we receive that by faith in that work of a Holy Spirit in our lives. And we're found as God in the sight of God in the image of Christ. That means we're a humble people. We're not God, Paul said. I only boast in the cross, because in the cross is where I've been given and made everything, and will experience everything through that faith alone. And 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 we're a humble people. It's okay to say that you're a humble person, man on the planet. He's the most humble man on the. That's prideful, ain't it? <laughs> no. His faith was in God. Moses talked with God face to face. He was a humble man. God said, I'm going to wipe these people off the earth. Well, God knew he wasn't going to do that. He was, bringing, he was bringing Moses to a place. And what did Moses do? Go ahead. Yeah, they're stiff neck, Get rid of them. We'll start over. No, he said, oh, God, please don't do that. faith in God makes you a humble person, not a proud boaster. This knowledge that we've been so uh, generously and and, and gracious uh, by God to have received this truth about the cross, that should make us humble. Now I know we have to learn to walk in that because when you first get this, you want to get up on the rooftop and shout it to everybody going by and slap them off the train if they don't believe it. (laughs) But that's just zeal without wisdom. And it's nothing to do with getting older and grinning. No, age has nothing nothing to do with this. You can learn this as a child. You can have humility uh, as a child. But you do have to learn and you should be learning. And like we said, this is a very important book, uh, a letter written, and it's not just for folks back in that day. It's for you and me to, to wake up I mean, again, if we read Jude and say, boy, I'm glad I didn't live back in Cain and Balaam and, and Korah's day. No, you're living in Cain and Balaam and Korah's day now because these men are listed to be like those that are creeping in among us now. They're leading people astray, causing them to commit spiritual adultery for the sake of money or fame or numbers or whatever. And there's those that are preaching. It's not just the cross. It's That's a blast against God and His salvation plan. And there are those like Korah who, who thinks, you know, God ain't called it. How many people have said God Evil. I mean, that's on, go, You don't, don't do it. It'll break your heart. But it's all out there on the internet. People calling him an evil man. Listen, they really can't see that millions have been saved through. They think he's done it for his own self. He's, he's done it for money. And they make up all these things. And the only reason people do that is like Korah to exalt themselves. Because when I'm talking down somebody, I'm talking me up, that says so a lot of folk need to take take you know notice of that because what's written here is for us today. it's for our wake up call. It's for like what in the church today more than ever, and some people will see it in other churches, but when it they can't see right there in their building, <laughs> you know what I mean, just as long as he's warning us about other stuff. But when the warning comes to me, I'll, I'll share something with you about Pastor Wayne Voss. I thought me, and then we had a, a one of those great four-hour fellowship dinners here recently. Him and his wife, and me and Robin, and he and I. Told him what happened in Utah when he went, and he said that is exactly what happened. And I don't mind sharing that and I know he don't me either. They called him up there, a small core group of people, had praise and worship team, and everything. It looked like there's gonna be a great church there in Utah, called him up there, and they called him up there because they wanted him to come up there and stand against what is uh dominant. Well, when he got up there, of course, you know, Mormonism's wrong. But Pastor Voss began to preach the cross and began to uh, preach the cross and warn against Catholicism and all these other things. Well, they all left. Eventually, they all left over a three or four or three week period. They all left, just except for two or three people, because they didn't mind you. They wanted him to come up there and attack Mormonism, but when the message of the cross began to deal with what they had their faith in, even outside of Mormonism, they didn't like that. So when we read the book of Jude, we need to wake up and say, hey, God's dealing with me today with the book of Jude. When And if it's 2,000 years almost since this letter was written, these people only wax worse and worse, being deceived and deceiving, the Bible says, is what's going to be going on in the end time. When Jesus' disciples said, how are we going to know when the end of the age is when you're coming? What's the first thing he said? Y'all know, let no man deceive you. Well, that ain't what we ask you, Lord. How do we know when you're coming? What he's telling them is deception's going to be rampant. There's going to be very few that aren't deceived. Very few that aren't deceived. And of course, everybody thinks they're not deceived. Because deception means I don't know that I don't know, but I think I do. Mm -hmm. So, Jude's three uh, portraits we'll call them. I got that word from, uh, what's his name? Uh, John Phillips Commentary. He's painting portraits. write about these see isn't that powerful? this this reminds me of God's love to me that God would have Jude write these things for me no read these things to be on guard to be aware not to go out and start hammering everybody and to be ugly, but so I could contend for the faith. I could keep marching on in the truth and and, and begin to see that which is wrong not so I can condemn them because we, we can't do that but we can begin to preach the truth, and contend for the faith. And so these three portraits go over the same ground again and again. Like the Israelites in the wilderness, Cain set at naught dominion. Like the, and these are things he, he mentioned before these uh, men. And like the people of Sodom and Gomorrah, Balaam taught Israel to defile the flesh. And that's what has just been mentioned of some other categories, they've defiled the flesh. And like the people of, uh, 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 the, like Israelites in the wilderness, Korah was not afraid to rail at dignities. Remember that? He's just talked about those things. He's he's given the, like I like to use the word he intended even greater, uh, these spirits is what they really are, whether it's the fallen angels that left their first estate or these... Dignities and and these other things. All he does is intensify what that means among us by people today, and uh, you know. And let me read that again. Like Israelites, the Israelites in the wilderness, Korah was not afraid to rail at dignities. We got to be careful. And I know it's used wrongly. Touch not God's anointed. Preachers are using that out of context today. Like you don't approach me and ask me questions. Don't approach me and try to uh, disagree with me and all that kind of foolishness right there. The preacher needs to be open and transparent and the preacher needs to please approach. Let's make sure you're not confused. And if you're not confused and I am, help me. Amen. Because I'm not a pastor. We're in this thing together. Hallelujah. And so all this touch not God's anointed, you know that's talking that's him talk against Moses and Aaron. Don't be trying to come against and root up and throw away and usurp that which God has called. If God's called you, He'll put you somewhere to do what He's called you to do. Because the Bible says it pleases the Lord to place us in the body where He places us. I don't just get to choose that and determine that. He determines that because only when he does that is he pleased. How many people are planted today in a place where God's not pleased? And the way we know, God can't be pleased without faith, so he'll never plant you in a church that's not preaching the faith. So therefore, we know for years, we planted ourselves. But today... God has planted us in, a, in the house of the Lord where we can flourish in his courts and we have we can all testify to that. And I'm not talking about becoming rich millionaires is the way most of the church looks at it. I'm talking about now flourishing in the courts of God where his grace and mercy comes into our lives daily and we have access uh, to the fullness of all that we need every single day that he is loving us and merciful and gracious to us and we're experiencing that. Not just you know, begging God for things we already have access to. We're learning how to walk in these things. So, and verse 12 says, These are spots in your feast of charity. When they feast with you, Remember they've crept in among us and if you go back and read earlier in Jude it describes these men And, and it's pretty profound what the Lord tells Jude to write. They creep in among you. He says they're ungodly men. They turn the grace of God into lasciviousness. They turn it into something that it is not. and it doesn't. They say God's grace doesn't do this, and it does. They're they're grace blockers is what they are. They're ungodly. And one of the most profound things Jude writes about them is this, and this amazed me in this study, that they were ordained unto this condemnation. That's a scary thought. That's a a, a mind to that. And we discussed that in the earlier teaching when we were there, but it's kind of like Pharaoh Pharaoh was ordained for that which he served a purpose of God. The Bible says God raised him up for that. That means he was ordained for that. The church among us because they've chosen to be rebellious, they've chosen to go after money instead of the truth. They've chosen to reject God's saving plan. They they creep in among they're ordained for this condemnation. These preachers who refuse to preach the truth of God's Word today after hearing it, listen, they are a judgment in the house of God. Remember, judgment must begin in the house of God. They are a judgment against God's people. ...and come out from among them. Amen. So, he says... These are spots in your feast, and that word spots means hidden reefs or stains those who've crept in among us to distract, detour, and devastate our relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And he goes on to say there, in, in, there are spots in your feast of charity. That means your congregational meetings. Your, when you gather together in the name of the Lord, they ain't gathering together in the name of the Lord. but there, And there's people like that. They're coming in for self, and most of them really don't know it, but they know they got problems. When they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear, and there's that, we'll discuss that for a moment, without fear, without the biblical value and reverence of God in their hearts. <laughs> you know somebody we've all had jobs and we've had supervisors bosses whatever and there's just been some people that they they just never will subject themselves properly to the boss they're in the, the they're, they're 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 railing against him constantly and maybe he he isn't any good but listen they're they're railing against him and, and they're talking negative against him and they just never will subject themselves to him there's some that will not subject themselves to a police officer a police officer comes around they get all. That's an attitude, and they won't subject themselves to authorities. And they're without fear. It's like those uh, in David's kingdom when he was the king. There were some that would subject themselves under King David, and some that would rebel. The. There, you know, fear, as we've learned here at Crossway Church, means uh, it's a biblical, uh, uh, what do I always say? Uh, uh, it, you look it up, the word revere is in reverential, and that means that you place a value on something. And that's what you do. When you subject yourself to the king, to the boss, to the Lord, you, 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 when you, you've placed a value on him. You know, Is he a good supervisor or is he a bad supervisor? But even above our value we place on our boss, we place a higher value on God's word that tells us to subject ourselves to the authorities. Mm-hmm. Amen. So uh, the word fear there, uh, and, and I'm going to read this scripture to you because the Lord's going to give us, he's going to give us all something greater in the days ahead concerning Psalms 25, 14. Uh, it says, of the Lord is with them that fear him and he will show them his covenant so doesn't that make you want to dive in and learn about fear more because, and, and I believe he, he's already given us a little bit of that of what it means to subject ourselves to honor to, to, to believe. We, we, we fear the king that means we do what the king says And to fear him properly means our hearts are even for the king. You know, I, you know, if a Christian's heart is right, he wants to do right under his supervisor because he wants his supervisor to look like a good supervisor and he has enough sense as a Christian, he's got the Spirit of God to know that if he's not doing right as an employee, it's making his supervisor look like he's not a good supervisor e- either. And anybody who's ever been in a supervising uh, position knows that's the case. Your people under you that's right. make you look like what you are. I mean, if you got a bunch of good employees, then that will make you look like a good supervisor. Now, wait a minute now. It don't mean you're a bad supervisor just because you got a bunch of bad employees. You might just need a bunch of new employees. And I know that's the one we're running with right there, bless God, because they all ain't worth nothing. (laughs) But you know the point I'm trying to make. The word fear means I'm I'm subject, I'm I'm, I'm valuing you properly the way I should be. And that's the fear of the Lord. The Bible says the secret of the Lord is with them that fear Him, that value Him proper. It's the proper biblical estimation of God's worth. There it is, what I've said for the last few years. And you can't really get that unless you look to see what He did in Christ at Calvary. There's where you look and really are able to value God properly because there's where He showed you how much He loves you. There's where He proved that when it looks like it's over, it ain't over. When it looks like you're defeated and things are falling apart, God says they're just falling into place. Hallelujah. Things get rough. They get really rough and we have to back away and say, and really that's what God wants us to do is to back away. Let me handle this. Trust me. Fear me in this. Subject yourself to me in this. I can turn this around. And when you look to the cross, you see the great value of God, the love, the mercy, the grace, the the power of God, the removal of Satan's power, the the bringing you in to Christ right there. All that at Calvary. And that's the place you, you really, through faith in the cross, there's the only place you can really fear God. And it's with him, he... He, he lets you in on his secret. That's been a secret throughout the ages that he no longer wants to be a secret. He wants to reveal it to you. But, but next time you ask yourself, how come I'm seeing the message of the cross? How come I'm seeing the illumination of God's word in the light of Christ and him crucified and I just can't get them to see it Look at Psalms 25, 14. It'll it'll explain it a little bit to you because it's, it's to those that fear Him He imparts the covenant. He shows it to them. That's what the Word of God says. Not because you're better, not because we deserved it, but because we fear our God. These people being listed in Jude did not fear God. They came in among the people to really hurt the people and you can't be fearing God when you're hurting the people, even if it's done in ignorance. Amen? That's all we got today. I've enjoyed it. We'll be here next Friday morning teaching again in the book of Jude. We're back. And I believe that we will probably uh, start with First and Second Timothy after Jude. I love it, uh, uh, and I'm just excited about it. We 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 can learn so much of that which we need to learn if if we're learning from God's Word. Amen. It's the only place from which faith can come. So tune in with us every Friday morning here at 9 a.m. Central Time, cross time with Pastor Curtis for the book of Jude. It's a a great book. We need to be learning and hearing from the Lord through. And uh, you can avail yourself to all these teachings at Curtis Hutchinson 316 on the YouTube channel. And until next time, God bless you. We love you. and. Stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. See you then.